Whoa, wait, what? That's better. Hi there, and welcome to Season 2 of the If You Ask Betty podcast, the podcast about all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Glenn Smith about ADCAR and L&D. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Betty. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, it's an honor. With all the people you've had on, I just feel like, wow, what great company. So thanks for asking. You are in good company. We've had some really cool folks on here, and I'm glad you could be part of it. Can you give us a quick intro about you and then maybe tell the listeners how we know each other? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So uh, I'm currently the learning development manager at a company called NextBite. Uh, we help restaurants sort of enhance their online food delivery. So if you've heard the sort of sort of virtual kitchen, ghost kitchen, we operate in that space and help them mm. provide really great products for uh, for delivery. So I've been there about six months or so, been in L&D for 15 years. Funny fact, it's my second career. I actually started as an auto insurance adjuster in, in the claims department, kind of worked my way up, was a manager and found that one of the things I was really passionate about and hopefully really good at was not only teaching my people how to do the job and coaching them through that, but developing them to go on to the next part of their career. And so when I had an opportunity to move into the L&D space full time, I, you know, I completely jumped at it. I've had a lot of really great experiences throughout here. I think I've done like all of the things. So I was an instructional designer, a facilitator, did org development and competency management and succession planning. But like my two things that really drive me are leadership development and change management, which weird are kind of intertwined. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get into that a little bit later on. Uh, okay. Yeah, for sure. For so sure. now the question that you ask, like, how do we know each other? Well, I guess technically we don't. So I think most of the people that are have been on your show, you've kind of met at a conference or at least you had a person say, hey, connect the, the two dots here and you should talk. Perhaps I'm the first fanboy that is on the show. <laughs> so I, I listened to the show and you were interviewing Stella Lee about consulting. Yes. And it was a really great interview. And you got towards the end of it and you started talking about change management and how we L&D people sometimes get boxed in or like we're the last ones they think of in a change management initiative. Mm -hmm. And usually it's like, okay, go train this and, and go. And I was kind of yelling at that, like, no, that's not how it should be because we can really leverage some just basic change management techniques that really help elevate our game. So even if it's just making the training that we're doing, they're more effective. But at the end of the day, I think if we can do that, we can become trusted advisors, we can become better consultants, and we mm -hmm. can even find ourselves at the table like we all want. And so Whoa. I reached out to you and I said, I have this crazy idea. What do you think? And you're like, yeah, you're not totally wacko. So let's have a, let's have a chat. <laughs> and so that's why we're here. You're not the first person to reach out to me cold. I can't answer to the <laughs> fanboy comment, but uh, you're not the first person to reach out to me cold. But I did love your idea, and uh, and I really love your backstory. And I know we kind of breezed over it, but you mentioned that you were a claims adjuster for an insurance company. I don't know if you know this, but I spent about five years in L&D at an insurance company oh. supporting claims. So not, not always fun, but always interesting. And yep. some, I think some of my best stories come from there. So, well, sure. Fun was never the F word I used to describe it, but, <laughs> but I did meet some really cool people there. It's a tough job to be a claims yeah. adjuster. It's a tough job to just 
answer the call when people call in claims. You know, uh, I worked for a company that um, sold. It wasn't it wasn't like personal lines of insurance. It was like if you you go to the you go to buy a vehicle and you decide to buy an extra insurance policy that covers maintenance or that covers mm-hmm. uh, long term care on the car, things like that. It was that type of thing. Uh, gap insurance, those types of things. So sure. I, I loved working there. Um, had a great time. I got to do a lot of leadership training there and coaching and things like that. But I also got to kind of learn a little bit about the business. And um, I think that it's interesting that you made that jump. And then you got a chance to work in change management. That's pretty cool. So thanks for being on. Today, we are talking about ADCAR and L&D. And my first reaction when I hear that is, what the heck is ADCAR? Uh, but we'll get to that. We will get to that. First, though, I want to know just a little bit more about your transition to L&D, because I, I really think your story is going to resonate with the listeners. So you mentioned that you mentioned working in change management for a while. Like what? Tell us about that. What is, what is that job like? So a, a couple of things. So the transition into sort of L&D for me was like, I didn't know anything. I just knew how to explain how to do the job to these folks. And mm-hmm. so I kind of was just put in there in, a, in the deep end and kind of had to figure it out. And so one of the great things, and I, I want to mention this, is that uh, a colleague who joined at the same time became a really great mentor. So shout out to all the mentors out there because I never would have made it this far. Mm-hmm. And kind of she got me on that road of of really wanting to understand the craft and the different elements of it. And so I really, over the 15 years, have tried to put in as much effort as I can to learn uh, not only how to do the various parts, but how to do it well and then continue uh, up on that. And I think one of the really sort of sad things of you about our industry is we spend so much time helping others that we often don't get to help ourselves. And even our own companies don't think about, oh, we should have a budget so that our L&D people can continue to upskill themselves and stay mm-hmm. up and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I spent a lot of money out of my own pocket and took a lot of vacation days to be able to do that. But I've been really lucky doing that. And so the change management thing kind of came about. If, if you think about what we do, we're all about the change. It's a performance mm-hmm. change, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody comes in, they don't know how to do a job. We teach them to do it. That's the, you know, the before state and the after state. It's they're not good at customer service. We teach them new techniques. You know, whatever that is, we are making a performance change. And as we all know, as human beings, change is not easy for us. And so mm-hmm. you've been there, you've been in the environment, you can see how hard it is for people. And I kept going, how can I, what can I do to make this easier? And so part of that is creating better learning solutions for them. But part of it was trying to understand how we as humans kind of cope with change and get into that. And, and so I kind of dug into learning more about the change cycle and how we you know, adapt to change and, and, and things like that. And so I've always raised that flag as a change management nerd wherever I went. And so yeah. uh, when I worked at Comerica Bank, they were like, oh, great, we need somebody who can do that. And so I put together programs and taught that and then started to weave that into our leadership development programs. And we, as we go along, we'll talk about that a little bit more. So when I was at Comerica, a former boss thought, okay, you're so passionate about this and you kind of understand the people component. I have this job open as an organizational change manager. Let's see what you got. And I got thrown into sort of that as well. And so I managed this really large kind of technology project across the whole enterprise for their sort of retail banking centers. And so that was a different perspective of it. But I think when you really kind of understand how all those pieces are and kind of how 
some of the methodologies and how you can apply it. In, mm-hmm. And when we get to ADCAR, it's such a little simple thing, but it means so much that we as, as learning professionals can really help those folks through that change of the performance. And I promise we'll talk about ADCAR in just a second, but I have one more question about the change manager job. So as the change manager, what was it again? Organizational? Organizational change manager. Yes. As an organizational change manager, how did you engage L&D? So if you think about like a, a large project like this, and to be fair, I can only speak to what I did in, in my role. Other companies might be a separate way. So you've got all these projects that you're working on. So if you think about all the different aspects of a large corporation and the changes they want. So first off, you're kind of an air traffic controller. You're mm-hmm. trying to get the changes from crashing into each other, right? You're trying to get the scheduling down, you're prioritizing and doing that. But then when you kind of dive to that next level of an individual project. So you have a number of different components involved. So let's say that in, in this case, we were trying to integrate a so- an outside software vendor platform while we were also doing some internal technology things, mm-hmm. including upgrading. Wi-Fi. I mean, why not? You're already changing things. Let's just yep. Throw some more in the fire. Absolutely. Okay. So you've got the vendor, you've got the tech team who's working on here. You've got, in this case, the retail bank and all their banking centers and all those employees. You're going to need some communication. So in that organization, they had a comms department. And then in the center of it is always us. When we get to ADCAR, the ADCAR, the K stands for knowledge. We're generally that knowledge, the ones who are going to convey that. So as you're trying to sort of navigate all these pieces and arrange it and kind of deal with various agendas to sort of make something that you know, that end user who's got to make the change, it's palpable for them. And so bringing mm-hmm. L&D in, you know, a lot of times we hear about it at the end. It's like, okay, that knowledge piece, here's L&D, go off and teach them. But luckily, I mean, I know from what we do, the advantages of having us in from the get-go and the things mm-hmm. that we do. And a good mm-hmm. change manager, I think, recognizes that, that if nothing else, it makes that knowledge piece more successful because they've been involved all along. But we have that insight to how people change, right? We've seen them in the classroom. Sure. We've seen the feedback we get in our training. So we can provide that sort of guidance throughout the process and help move some of these pieces around. So yeah. So the L&D is, is to me, the heart of it. Of course, I'm totally biased. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> and we need more change managers that are totally biased um, because a lot of times, L&D is the change management. And that's the part that ruffles my feathers because there's so much more to change management than just the knowledge piece. It, there's so many other pieces. So given that, what a beautiful segue into what the heck is ADCAR anyway? Like, what is, Can you tell us what it is and like maybe walk us through an example? Yeah, absolutely. So ADCAR is a change management model uh, from an organization called ProSci. So they're one of the world's foremost change management authorities. They do consulting work. They do a lot of research. And they teach classes, which is where I have my certification. And so ADCAR is, this is how basic it is. It is an acronym for five outcomes that individuals need to achieve a successful change. So it starts with A. So A is awareness. Why is this change taking place? So the really interesting thing about this is if you look at where an employee looks as part of a change, there's two levels that are most important. So the top level is the change vision. 
So what are we doing as an organization? So often that comes from an executive. So the executive says, hey, we need to change our sales process. We need to go after different clients because of X, Y, and Z. Or we need to use change technology because we need to upgrade and be more modern or something like that. And when we get to the other side, we're going to be able to do all of these things. And so that A is really important to kind of provide that context. But really the most important person here in this awareness is that person's direct manager. So if you think about changes that you've been involved in, Mm -hmm. somebody announces a change and all the employees look directly at their manager and go, Every single time. Is is Betty on board with this? What does Betty think? And that automatically starts how they're going to react to that. So if you think about how it's influencing the change, we want the managers on board. We want the managers to understand the change and then be able to lead the people. And it's a challenging role because the managers are going through a change as well, but not only do they have to put the oxygen on themselves, they have to put the oxygen on the employees. So, mm-hmm. so that's the top level. The next one is desire. So you know with them, right? We come in with, for we're designing our learning. Everybody wants to know what's in it for them. So is the new process going to make my job easier? Am I going to be more productive? Will it allow me to make more money? You know, those are all great things that motivate people because it's intrinsic to them. But let's face it, not all changes are that way. So maybe it's about the customer. We can bring more customers. We can service more customers. Mm-hmm. We can get more revenue, which in turn means that we can expand, which means promotion, you know, a variety of different things. So being able to connect this change to the individual, or at least to why it's important to the welfare of the organization is really critical to get people to want to be on board. People are ordinarily resistant to change because it's scary. Mm-hmm. This helps them sort of go, okay, I can see why this is and I want to do it. So I'm going to make the leap to go there. Mm-hmm. The sense. K part is that knowledge. So what do I need to do? What is the process? How does it work? What is the expectation of me? So often that is where we come in, whether it's bringing people in a classroom or doing an e-learning or creating job aids or a variety of those, that we provide them the knowledge so that they can carry out whatever that particular change is. The next day is ability. And the ability part is, is really interesting. So it's not like, you know, can they physically do it? They generally can. It's do they have the resources? Mm-hmm. Do they have the bandwidth? You know, I worked on a pro- well, I worked on a project at a place a long time ago where they wanted to increase the number of calls in the call center. And they wanted to do that by shorting the conversations and they wanted to teach the people how to do that. But at the end of the day, they weren't able to implement because the phone system wouldn't actually take all of the calls oh. that they wanted. Nobody bothered to figure that out. So that's a really gross example of mm-hmm. that ability. But really, do they have the bandwidth? Do they have the resources? You know, does the computer, is it able to keep up? All of those things are, are important. And then the last thing is that reinforcement piece. And that's both sort of emotionally and informationally. So... You know, that might be thanking people for engaging in the change. That is setting milestones and celebrating even that smallest milestone. When somebody has to enter information for the first time and they do it correctly and it works, that's getting excited about it. And it's all Mm -hmm. those steps um, as you go along in that journey. And then from kind of our standpoint, if you will, that's how do we continue information as we fine tune and figure out, you know, oh, this process 
what kind of tweaks can we do that are more efficient that we've found through the trial and error is getting that information out and getting it to people. So we think of change a lot as a, a linear process that's finite, a one and done, but it's not. It's a continuous evolution. And so that reinforcement, whether it's on that emotional or sort of informational level, is really critical. And if you can yeah. get all those out, then your chances of success are much higher. Yeah, I would say change is not linear. It's cyclical. Um, you know, it's it's going to go around in a circle and come right back around. And, and um, so, so, okay, so let me see if I got it right. So awareness desire, knowledge, ability, and, and what's the R? Reinforcement. Reinforcements. I was going to say resources. I'm like, that's not it. Reinforcements. Yes. So I like that. And it makes a lot of sense. Thank you very much for explaining it that way. I think that's really helpful to us. I hope that folks find that helpful because we're an important part of all five letters. Our biggest role is in the K, right? Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like you said, L&D is the heart of change management. But unfortunately, often we're just the scapegoat of change management. You know, it's um, there is no change management. There's just, hey, we're changing this. So we need you to teach them. Go do it. And then we're the ones that are hunting people down to figure out what it is that actually even changed. I mean, have you, have you experienced that? Yeah. So think about if there's no announcement of the change. There's no explanation of why it's occurred. I've always felt as a facilitator, my worst nightmare was someone who'd show up in a classroom and go, I don't know why I'm here. My manager just told me I had to come. Mm-hmm. Right. So same thing with the change. You get an email on Friday that says, Hey, Betty, on Monday, we have this completely different process. What are you going to think of that? That's going to cause panic. So putting people in that sort of situation lowers your opportunities to make that change successful. So people need a ramp up period, right? They need to be able to sort of assess that and become okay with it and then sort of sample it in a safe environment when they can and, and things like that. So that car's not hard. It, it takes a little time. And so sometimes people are, leaders are resistant to that because sure. in, in their mind, they've been thinking about this change all along. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so they want it to happen. It's Friday. They want it to happen on Monday. They don't realize that someone else has to catch up to them. And the yeah. ADCAR process can help that go fairly quickly in a fairly simple way. It's mostly communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when you when we talk about it, it reminds me of my, my daughter. My daughter, she's 19 now. But when she was young, like in preschool, she struggled with transition like from one activity to the other, Mm -hmm. like it was, she wouldn't want to quit doing what she was doing to move to the next thing, even though she would enjoy the next thing. It was just that transition that was a struggle. And I remember a preschool teacher telling me that she has trouble with transition. And I was like, you're right. Like I, like it never occurred to me that that's when she would would fuss at me or when I would be fussing at her more was Mm -hmm. when we're trying to move from one thing to the other, like, especially, and I'm sure parents out there will understand the whole idea of trying to get out of the house because we got to go somewhere with a four-year-old. Where are your shoes? You just had your shoes. Did you brush your hair? Go get me the brush. Okay, but, but where But where are your shoes? You don't need to bring all those toys. Okay, yeah, your head's not. Yep. Like, people mm-hmm. get it. But if you think about it, one thing that worked for her is I would tell her ahead of time, okay, in about 10 minutes, we're going to get ready to go. So I created that awareness, right? And then often I would say something like, and I'm totally just doing this right off the top of my head. I didn't even think about this till now, but often I would say, 
okay, we got five more minutes. You got to start getting your shoes on because we're going to go to grandma's and she's got cupcakes. So there's what's in it for mm-hmm. her, right? Uh, the knowledge part, I don't know. I mean, maybe a, maybe a, we're talking about the cupcakes. I don't know. I'm sure that was in there somewhere. But the ability to put her shoes on, yes. And then if she couldn't get it, get her shoes on, I could help her reinforcement. So like I, it's a very simple, but it's the same idea, right? It's change management. We're changing what we're doing next. And so we've got to move through these steps. So if it works for your, if it works for a four-year-old, right? What kind of cupcakes? I don't know. White cupcakes with, you know, sprinkles. Okay. Like that's double down for her. That's what she likes. Right. So if it works for a four-year-old, why wouldn't it work for us? Makes sense. Yeah. And I think we get as L and D professionals, we get bogged down. It, it sounds complex, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's change management and all these moving pieces. But when you boil it down to those five easy steps, things that are that we are good at, yeah, I, I think it's really helpful. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So the big question then is, how can we get a seat at the table earlier with change management so that we don't become the scapegoat of change management? How do, what do we do? So we need to always be asking the questions. So let's take that worst case scenario that that came up before. The change is happening. You're told you, we need to create some training for this. Being aware of this and going, okay, so what's the messaging involved? What's you know what's the vision? What do the what do our managers know? And asking those questions. One of the things that I've I've found, certainly in organizations that don't have change management or aren't familiar with it, is what are you talking about? And then being able to educate those folks, right? And saying, well, this is what it's going to take to get people on board with this. And if you want to move faster. So there's three things that you're really trying to do in a change. You're trying to get adoption, get everybody on board to do it. Mm -hmm. You want to do that as quickly as possible. So speed is a factor. And you want people to be proficient. So you wanted your daughter, right, to know we're leaving. You're going to put on your shoes. Eventually, with that repetition, she would get quicker. She would know what your expectation was, too, that when you started to say 10 minutes, mm-hmm. okay, I know what mom is going to start expecting me to start putting on my shoes. So that's mm-hmm. going to make that process quicker. And then proficiency, that for her probably came with age and just practice of being able to do that. Yeah. But people are going to invest in that if you think enough of them to be able to do that to give them the messaging and let them understand why and provide that support. And so really sort of selling that to somebody above and say, look, I'm on your side, right? When we are working with a stakeholder who comes to us and say, I, you know, I have, I need a training solution. I need whatever. We're like, okay, this is what you're trying to accomplish. And we want to help you accomplish that. And for us in the business, it's whether maybe it's not training, maybe it's something else, but we want them to accomplish what they, they need to accomplish. So so we're doing that. And so that's where we're going to come through that. And then the afterwards. So how does this work when they're going to apply it? Do they have the resources to do that? All that other stuff. Oh, they don't, they don't, they don't have a lot of time. Well, then I know as a person to designing a learning solution, they're not going to have a lot of time. Well, do they have a lot of time to do a training? Maybe I'm not doing two hours like this person thinks I should yep. because they're not mm-hmm. going to. Do, so that helps inform your decisions as well while you're asking the questions. And then that reinforcement piece, you know, what can we do to continue this education? So it's not one and done so that if there are updates, people know and stuff like that. And uh, 
a really great thing is you had Kate Udalova on an episode that I listened to today from Seven Taps. Seven Taps has these little micro learning things yes. that are the bomb They're for so this cool. very much reinforcement. Oh, so I absolutely. use those all the time. Absolutely. Seven Taps is a great way to reinforce anything, not just change. Um, so, that so, yeah. so that's it. Having the conversation, aligning and saying that we have the same goal in mind. That goal is to help these people get through the change. I'm not asking for a lot. I just need some questions, but I'm also putting something in people's heads. There are questions that need to be answered. Those questions need to be answered for this audience mm-hmm. or else the change is not going to work. So that's where you start. All right. So there's two other sort of situations here. So let's extrapolate that to our work now. Yes. So we as a learning development department want to change the way we're doing things. So maybe your stakeholders are used to coming to you and say, we need an e-learning. We need an e-learning. And you're like, no, I've got these other tools or I've got better ways that I think are more effective. Right. So now we've got to change from this present state to a future state following the same path. Okay. What can I do to get that awareness out in that messaging? And maybe we need to get some sort of executive sponsor on board that sees the light of this Mm -hmm. and can kind of Mm -hmm. spread that. But also, you know, we need our management to be on board and be able to do that too. And so we follow that same path. And now we're changing the way that we are doing the work or we're able to add new programs that we can help people see how they're going to benefit. You know, all those things help us now become more strategic in how we serve the organization. And then that last part, how do we affect that table? How do we get there? What kind of stakes? Well, if the leader has a vision of how the organization needs to change and we continue to have this conversation and can demonstrate how what we're doing is impacting that behavioral change, that performance change, they're going to recognize that and they're going to come to us and we're going to be in at that ground level as they're still trying to figure out the change themselves Mm -hmm. instead of sitting on our hands, waiting for someone to tell us what to do and do that. So by being proactive and putting yourself in that conversation, we're not trying to stop things. A lot of times people go, oh, you want to do this big elaborate training and it's going to take months or no, we're asking some conversation. We're asking some questions. We're trying to get some communication going so that we're providing clarity for everyone on this project. We're trying to make things move quicker. We're trying to get adoption, speed, and proficiency just based on using this model with our leadership. And sometimes that isn't an extensive learning program. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. a uh, just-in-time job aid. Mm -hmm. So it's important that we ask those questions so that we can get to that right answer. And that right answer sometimes is, it's not L&D. Sometimes it's a communication. I mean, it it could be a lot of things. Yeah. So that's my crazy theory. (laughs) I think it's a great one. I think it's awesome. And I would say to the listeners who are also learners, if you want to learn even more about change management and L&D, you can scroll back to season one, episode 56, where I talk with Judd Hoekstra all about change management and L&D. Have you listened to that one yet, Glenn? I did. So Judd's perspective is like opposite of me. So he started, I believe, in change management and then kind of worked in L&D. So we kind of hopefully have approached it from both sides of the equation. But yeah, I really loved that conversation. Yeah, you have approached it from both sides. And what's interesting is if we were to lay out what you had to say and what he had to say next to each other, the steps are similar. 
different words, maybe in a little different order, but the basics around change management are similar. In fact, we could we could throw John Cotter in there too. One, two, three, all three mm-hmm. of you, and they're they're very similar. And uh, I like that. I like that there are multiple different ways to look at it because one will resonate with somebody else more than another. You know, um, someone might hear Adcar and, and think, oh, this makes sense to me, but listen to Judd and be like, I'm, I'm not really sure or vice versa. So, well, just two more quick questions as we wrap up. First one is, what is a quality that you admire in others and why? That's a really interesting question. So there's a lot of different qualities that I would admire for folks, but I've been thinking about this a lot. So it's just this indefinite, can't say the word indefatigable a a positivity that won't go away so we have been watching abbott elementary on abc which is about an inner city school it's a comedy in philadelphia and the lead character janine is just she's a, a newer teacher and despite the fact that they don't have funds and things are breaking around them or whatever, she just comes in with a positive attitude and everything. Uh-huh. And the people that are like that, I really admire. We've been through rough times as a, as a society. And I think when you do the job that we do, not every day is rainbows and sunshine, you know, there's a lot, especially when things get cut and things like that. And so I, that type of personality, especially when I work with people in this space, that just can always figure out that bright side of the street or whatever. I, I, I really ad- admire that. I try to do that the best I can, but uh, I'm not as successful as Janine on that show. Yeah. Janine, another show too that that I was thinking of as you were explaining that is The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Is it mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's silly and beyond far-fetched and a little bit stupid, but She's like that. She's effervescent. Like nothing gets her down. Like in this show, she literally spent years in an underground bunker, kidnapped, and she comes out and she's just always smiling and happy. And and it to the point where you're like, is there something wrong with you? Like, are you? Is there something broken? But sometimes I I, I watch it and I laugh and I think to myself. I want to be like that. Like I want to, even though life is kind of sucky sometimes, I want to be like just still happy to be living it, you know, and uh, and try to help other people feel that way too. So I think that's a great quality to admire. Effervescent positivity. There you go. Yeah. All right. So how can people connect with you if they want to after the show? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn, which is how we get connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Smith, uh, learning development manager at next bite, or they can just email me at glenn.smith at getordermark.com. That was the original name of our company. So gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I love to talk shop with people. So yeah, if you want to, you want to chat, hit me up. And I'm so glad you reached out to me so that we could get on this podcast. It's uh, I'm excited to hear what people have to say about it, what they think. Glenn Smith for sharing your thoughts today. And thanks to the listeners for hanging out with us. Hey, if you like this podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash if you ask Betty to learn how you can support this and future if you ask Betty projects. Don't forget to tell your friends and watch for another episode of the if you ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out.